0: Hey there, folks. What sort of companies have the resilience to survive a major downturn? And can they still offer investors a significant return? I'm Aaron Young. Today, we'll find out. Now, streaming right around the world, this is Ticker Today. Hello. It is so great to be with you wherever you are joining us from. Also on Ticker Today, there is outrage as two journalists are killed by an Israeli strike. Al Jazeera says it was a deliberate attack. That coming later up in the program. But first... In the face of a volatile environment, savvy investors are reevaluating their portfolios. So what are the key themes to look for in 2024? We read so much, we hear so much. For more, we are joined by Mark Wild from MW Wealth. Mark, great to see you as we embark on 2024. Morning. Talk to us about government bonds and their high cash rate. Is that a place that we should be starting when we look at our investments?
1: Oh, well, it's going to be a volatile environment. Um, so there's enough headwinds out there to suggest that uh things are going to be choppy for sure. So now more than ever, how knowing how your super is invested or Knowing uh, how to uh, diligently set up a, an adequate portfolio is more important than ever. So, given that it is going to be quite volatile, uh, one of the first things you need to do is look at that, look at the defensive components of your portfolio. So, if you ignore this or you don't execute on uh, adequate strategies in this area, you, you could lose a lot of money, Aaron.
0: Defensive. uh, Give us an idea of what that means. Defensive component, because for a lot of us, superannuation, our relationship with it is our employer pays it. We don't really have to think about it until we're 65 or 67. Or by the time you and I, they're probably 110. Um, What does it actually mean?
1: So, uh, so it's a good time to call up your super fund and ask them their defensive strategies. So, even if you're a high growth investor, meaning that you have, uh, you know, ten years plus to really maximise your return, uh, it's always prudent to have a defensive portion in your portfolio. So, specifically at the moment, we all know how high the cash rate and how how high interest rates are. So. What you're now able to do is allocate a portion of your money towards government bonds or treasury bonds, and what that's going to do is give you around a six, five and a half, six percent rate of return, which is quite strong, um, and it's relatively risk free. So that's the first part. But you can even move up the risk spectrum a little bit and go towards private credit, so uh, five star rated private credit or mortgage backed securities, and you could even get around ten percent plus. So there. Relatively speaking, defensive assets relative to equities. And it's just an important thing for even high growth investors to have included in your portfolio to tick those boxes, tick those boxes on your defensive column.
0: It's really interesting that government bonds is the place that we're talking about. At the start of last year, a lot of economists and investors were really worried about 2023 as being something that was going to be somewhat of a nightmare, right? That we won't be able, that that stocks would drop. It actually turned out to be a pretty good year. This year, we are expecting things to be really good. But as they say, as go January, as goes the rest of the year. It hasn't been a rock solid start to the year on the US markets.
1: Yeah, so it's just those persistent inflationary pressures. I mean, if inflation rears its ugly head again and it looks as though interest rates may not come down at all, which a lot of people are predicting, then that's going to create issues for equity markets so i'm not saying uh, abandon equity markets altogether i'm just saying now's the time to have a prudent asset allocation so maintain your exposure decent exposure towards equity markets if you're a high growth investor but simultaneously really ensure you have a sound defensive strategy because uh that's going to hold up the entire portfolio when things are volatile
0: Now, talk to us about some of the industries, some of the companies that show resilience that's needed to actually maintain strong dividends during economic downturns. What are the sorts of companies and industries we should be looking at?
1: Well, That's a really good point because uh, all equity or all stocks aren't created equal. So given that we may be entering a volatile environment, it's probably more prudent to select companies that we all know and trust have a lot of free cash flow, have been paying a consistent dividend over the last 10 years, say, um, for, forecasting moving forward, it looks as though they're going to keep selling their products no matter what's happening out there, so the companies that we're investing in, their ability to keep paying a sustainable dividend um, is, is, will, will hold up if things get, get quite messy out there. So uh, your equity exposure towards companies that can keep paying dividends is so important. And
0: there are so many businesses, that's the first thing they stop, right? Their dividends.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, if you're if you're struggling uh, to, to pay your staff or, you know, people just aren't buying as much anymore, of course, that's what you're going to cut because um, you, you still need to keep the lights on, so to speak.
0: And so for a lot of people who are looking out there who are perhaps first time investors, bit of a novice at this, how do they find the companies that have their dividends? Is it simply a case of looking through annual reports and hoping uh, to find these dividends or is there an easier way? How do you do it?
1: Uh, so the days I think are sort of gone where you have to pay expensive fund managers or active managers to do all this for you, because we're living in a world where firstly, you do have access to this information if you really wanted to get it, but, um, Uh, The advancement of exchange traded funds or uh, securities exchange ETFs available on really basic uh, 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 stock trading platforms like, um, you know, Comsec has one, Robinhood. So uh, areas like this. So you could select an ETF that uh, automatically puts your money into, say, the top 20 uh, uh, sustainable dividend paying companies in Australia. So just understanding that, reading up online and uh, putting your money into securities like that uh, is probably diligent. So if you hear what I say and you're liking what I say and you think, you know what, that makes sense. I think I need companies that uh, are likely going to keep paying their dividends in a volatile environment no matter what, you could source out that ETF
0: and talk to us about trying to find minimum volatility companies whether undervalued or perhaps quality driven as well but known for consistent profitability how do we find them
1: yeah so again uh it's not the time where you want to be too speculative uh in equity so with what we're talking about before with uh companies that have the capacity to keep paying dividends so meaning that their balance sheets show a lot of free cash flow um, they're the quality companies I'm talking about so um, uh, you know even going a little bit further than that if you can if you can sort of say okay well uh, this company XYZ company over here is undervalued relative to, to uh, where it where where it's priced in the stock market, that's another way of, um, you know, uh, adopting quality investing to to minimize volatility. But some of the portfolios that we set up, just to give you an example, um, there's ETFs available out there that actually dampen volatility. And they've actually outperformed some of our um, uh, our 100% equity based ETFs over the last 12 months. So there's so many advanced products out there. You're probably best off just partnering with someone or creating Mm. your own um, online platform. And yeah, just uh, giving it a crack with what I'm saying on this interview.
0: Yeah, Mark, you keep using the term quality investing. What does quality investing look like at a time like this where it feels like anything could happen tomorrow?
1: (sighs) Uh, Yeah, so uh, look, at the moment, Aaron, it's important to have exposure everywhere because no one knows exactly what's going to happen. And if they did, they would be extremely rich. So because of that, uncertainty. Uh, For example, you need to have exposure to the S&P 500 or um, the biggest tech companies in the US. So having that exposure could pay you quite handsomely uh, throughout 2024, particularly if inflation doesn't rear its ugly head, interest rates start to come down. Um, Those particular companies are going to do quite well. But if you do that, um, again, if your Australian domiciled investment in the US and the US, uh, because interest rates potentially are going to fall, if the US dollar has peaked and the Australian dollar goes up relative to, to the US dollar, what you simply have to do is hedge your investments in the US. So I know that might sound a little bit complicated, but again, The advancement of ETFs, you can um, get uh, ETFs that give you exposure to the S&P 500, Mm. um, but hedge your exposure to the S&P 500. So when the US dollar does go down, um, you're not going to lose or it's not going to mitigate your returns.
0: All right. Mark Wild from MW Wealth, always appreciate you unpacking it for us. Thanks so much for your time.
1: No worries. Thank you.
0: An Israeli airstrike on a car near Rafah in southern Gaza has killed two Palestinian journalists who are out reporting. Al Jazeera Media's network now condemning the killing of the two, saying it had been a deliberate attack.
2: In Gaza, Al Jazeera journalist Wael al-Dahdou is saying goodbye to another family member. His son, Hamza al-Dahdou, was killed in an Israeli airstrike on a car near Rafah, alongside Mustafa Turaya, according to health officials and the Journalists' Union in Gaza. Both Palestinians were freelance journalists, a third freelancer, Hazem Rajab, was wounded. (laughs) Al-Dahdou had worked for Al Jazeera, where his father is the chief correspondent in Gaza. Wael al dahdou became particularly well-known to viewers across the Middle East after he learned during a live broadcast that his wife, another son, daughter and grandson had been killed in an Israeli
0: airstrike. Hey, first <laughs> <definitely
1: mother. laughs>
0: How can someone receive the death of their oldest son in everything in my life after I lost some of my family members? <laughs> my wife son Mahmoud and Sham and Adam. How can I receive this?
2: The Israel defense forces do not immediately respond to a request for comment. It has been bombarding the Palestinian enclave since an October 7th cross-border rampage by Hamas, in which Israeli officials say 1,200 were killed. On Sunday, Gaza's health ministry said Israel's offensive has killed 22,835 Palestinians so far.
0: The world must see with their eyes and not with Israel's eyes. It must listen and watch all that is happening to the Palestinian people. What has Hamza done to them and what has my family done to them? What have civilians in the Gaza Strip done to them? They have not done anything.
2: The conflict has been deadly for journalists. The Committee to Protect Journalists, an international watchdog, said that as of Saturday, 77 journalists and media workers had been killed, comprising 70 Palestinians, four Israelis and
0: three Lebanese. You are watching Ticker. I'm Aaron Young. More right after this.